Great to be with you again this morning. I think uh, Curly, we worked out it was August, was it last time I was here? Gee, invited back twice within a year. That's pretty good going, isn't it? You're lucky to get invited back anywhere, I reckon, after you've, after you've been somewhere once. Hey, uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Great to have. Um, so, Locksport and Yarram are online, is that correct? Okay, so they're watching out over us. Pastor Brad's keeping an eye on us from a distance, is that correct? Okay, great. You're allowed to talk back at me, it's fine. Um, uh, you got great leaders here. Do you think you got great leaders here? Come on, you really, you know, I, I was down here earlier this week, we had a pastor's gathering down here, and, um, and I, just, I just love you guys. I mean, Lawrence, you know, she's just worth a weight in gold, and we're waiting a half now, because 25 weeks, is it? Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and your other leaders, you know, Brad and uh, Alana, just incredible people, you know, so encourage them, support them. Uh, get behind them. You know, they may not get everything right. In fact, I, I can guarantee they're going to make mistakes. Guarantee they're going to make mistakes. They might even be wrong about some things. Doesn't mean they're wrong about everything. Not all of us are right about everything. Hand, put up your hand if you think you're right about everything. Okay. Are they under your control? Is that, is that, yeah, okay. That's good. <laughs> Look, you know, they're just, they're just great folks, you know, and I've been around a while, and, um, you know, and I've been in a variety of settings you know, and I was just really encouraged when I was here this week. I'm going, man, this, this is a great church. You know, this, this has got great potential, and it's great that, that Yaram and Locksport are out also prospering and getting going as well. So part of the reason I'm here, um, I didn't work out what was happening with the overheads. I don't have a thingy, so you guys are just going to have to follow me somehow. Um, uh, is because uh, as part of the BUV support hub where I work back in Melbourne, um, you know, we're, we're, we're supporting and we're working with this church plant that you've got going in Yarram and Locksport, you know, and so we, we're part of that, we're partnering together on that, part of my role is partnership, and, and so um, I, I joined the BUV in 2020, anyone remember 2020? Remember, did anyone start 2020 thinking this is going to be a really great year? Right, because I did, I actually thought this is going to be a great year, and, um, and, and one of the first partnership projects I had was the bushfire appeal. And, and so I, I was looking after that, and um, they, thought, they said, hey, look, we think we're going to raise a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, and, and I said, okay, that's great, so can, can you look after that? Well, we actually raised $600,000 across the BUV. Now, the BUV, um, as, as, a, as a union of churches across Victoria, has about 256 churches, I think, somewhere maybe around there. And um, uh, a third of those uh, are lote churches, so language other than English. And so there's some really exciting things happening across it. But across this union of churches... We raised $600,000, and that has, just, that has just produced some really remarkable fruit. I got together with the guys at uh, end of 2021. There's about eight of us in the room, and I said, let's just tell some stories, you know. And, and one, of the, one person said, you know, we know that there are people alive today who wouldn't have been if we hadn't have turned up at the right time. And everyone said, yeah, we've, we've all got stories like that. Um, there are still people coming out of the woodwork, you know, who just have been sort of lost for the last three years because they lost everything in the bushfires. And so that $600,000 has been contributing to people's lives in a really remarkable way. There's a whole bunch of other great stories I won't go into today. But what we realized is that a lot of people giving a little makes a remarkable difference because $600,000 was raised right across the whole thing. And it was people who gave $100, $200, $400, that kind of thing. Um, and the smallest gift that came in was $7. And I remember thinking, $7, but, but that $7 is still at work because it's joined with all the other gifts that actually make that difference. You know, and so today we are, we are launching in partnership with you guys, so you guys will see this card here. And all we're, we're, we're suggesting today that as part of the partnership, because out of the BUV Support Hub, we've given a, a grant 
um, for the launching of Lock Sport and, and, and the supporting of Yarram. And, and we're just asking people right across the state to say, hey, maybe you might consider giving $2 a week to church planting. You know, and, and I, I set this up about 18 months ago because on, on the front of this page you see the partnership, but on the back of the card you'll see it has a, in fact, I've got, oh, great, there we go, follow on the back. Um, it's got a, a QR code that takes you to a website where you can, you can sign up. It's about this financial services thing. And uh, so when I, when I signed up for this about 18 months ago to get it going, I thought, well, I can give more than two bucks a week. I'll give $5 a week. You know, and I'm not missing that $5 a week. But even if I was, I'd go, that's okay because I want to contribute to what's happening across the state. So I want you just to, you know, just to think about this, take this away and pray with us, because we are partnering with a whole bunch of other church plants around the state. There are other things going on. We've got a couple of places where we've got community pastors um, in new suburbs, because wherever people are, hope is needed, joy is needed, peace is needed, love is needed, and all these new uh, real estate places that are going up around the place are not allowing churches in. And so we're trying to get people in there just to be community pastors. And it's actually working. We're seeing some really great results because church can look like a whole bunch of things. It doesn't have to just look like this. It's just people gathering, you know, bringing life, bringing God's life into that community wherever they are. And uh, so I want, I want to encourage you, if you can't be a part of what's happening down in Locksport or Yarram, you might consider just going, hey, how do I do that? Maybe I can give a couple of bucks a week or, or whatever it is that's going to. I know that not everyone can do that, but a lot of us can do that. Um, I've been involved in a lot of church planning, actually, funnily enough. Um, a long time ago, um, I've been married for 33 years or something like that, 34 years. Well, six months after we were married, did one of the dumbest things in our lives, where we went and helped with a church plant. Right? If you're just getting married, you know, let the, let the marriage settle for about a year before you go and do anything. Well, six months after we got married, Karen and I went, we went to go and help with a church plant. And it wasn't just any church plant, it was in New York. So we went to New York to help with a church plant. And we arrived there, we had nothing, we had no money, you know, and we're, you know, scraping the snow off the driveway to set up the gear on a Sunday morning and go out there and do all that sort of stuff. It was really hard work. We ran out of money, literally ran out of money. And I'm telling you these stories because sometimes this is what church planning takes, you know. Um, you know, and we, I remember we had $80 left in the bank and uh, we had a car that needed brakes. It was going to cost $75. And I went, well, we might as well get the car fixed, right? So we had $5 left in the bank in New York and, and nothing else. We didn't have jobs. And the next day, my wife Karen got a job, you know. So sometimes we've got to step out in faith and do some things. Um, we then went on. We came to, back to Melbourne to help with a church plant here. Um, it's uh, now called Stairway Church. It was a C3 church back then. But we came back to, to do, and we were there for 14 years. But um, it, we were setting up every week, you know, and that's what these guys are doing out at Yarram and Locksport, I presume, you know. Um, you know, we're setting up every week, and we had the trailer lived at our house. So, I mean, we couldn't avoid it, you know, like we're there, we're taking the, we're to take the trailer and, you know, go and set up every week. And, and from there, you know, and then I was involved in a couple of um, ch- uh, site plants, a little bit like Yarram and Lock Sport, where I was at City Life Church at the time, where we planted a, 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 um, a, a service in Casey, um, and then we planted one up in Manningham. And, and so we've done all this sort of stuff. Another thing I did, we did a number of years ago, we did a thing at a rooftop bar in Richmond where once a month we called it Feast of Spirit, and we just gathered, and, and, and we did once a month, and we just had a, had a theme. Um, Tim Costello was involved, and so he would speak for maybe 20 minutes, and we did, we did like four or five songs as a band, my, my kids playing, a couple of other friends of mine, and so we just did a theme, and we, there was no worship tunes. I know that sounds sacrilege, you know, but, but we just did pop songs, you know, and then, uh, and, then, and then Tim would speak for 20 minutes on a theme, 
And one day we got a text from someone and they said, you know the day we sang All You Need Is Love, you know that Beatles song, my faith was completely restored. And so church planning can look like a whole bunch of things. So I just want to encourage you, if you can't help, just, just, just dig into it. Get, get, you know, find your way into something, you know. Don't be saying, but then in life, gee, I wish I'd spent more time sitting on my couch. You know, just say, I, you know, I was involved in the kingdom of God and I got, and I got into something. I was really proud of my son. Yesterday we, were, um, uh, we, we went and played, he and I play in a band with a guy uh, who's an indigenous guy and we played for the Long Walk, which was a, a, a thing that happened. If you watched the footy last night, you would have seen it. Um, that, you know, they do the Long Walk. There's a festival kind of thing before that. And so we're playing there and, you know, my son works hard and, you know, and, and, he's, and he's really tired and we're driving. I mean, he's 28, he's not a kid, I'm just saying, you know. Anyway, but, um, you know, and he's, you know, we're driving, he says, you know, I know I'm really tired. He says, but, but I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather be getting up and doing this, you know. It's 8.30 in the morning, you know, but I just say, you know, it's not, it's just, that's just what life's about, right? It's about getting in and, and getting stuck into stuff and working hard. We all okay? Okay. Just so, so. Get involved somehow um, today. Um, I don't know whether I've covered whatever was on that slide. Did I cover it? So far. Okay, good. Because I changed my whole thing this morning when I was driving down in the car. So <laughs> I thought I've got to talk about something else. Um, anyway, so let's just pray. Because this morning I'm going to talk a little bit about worship. Right? I'm going to talk about the power of a song as part of that. And um, so l- let me just pray together as we start. And um, let's just let's see where we go. Thank you, God, today. Lord, we thank you that we can gather freely in your name. Lord, today we, we thank you that we've been able to sing and to engage with each other in, in a really um, uplifting way. We thank you for who you are in our lives, that you're at work. God, today you're shifting our hearts and our minds, that you transform us, God, into your image, and, and you lead us and you guide us in everything that we do every day for the sake of your name. God, today we just acknowledge your presence with us. We acknowledge, God, today your presence has been on this land for, for, for forever, Lord. Um, and, we, and we acknowledge today that, that through the generations, Lord, of, of life, we acknowledge the Aboriginal people who, who lived here. We acknowledge, Lord, today the things that we need to do in terms of, of reconciling those relationships, God, today. But we thank you that you are a God of reconciliation and that you'll be at work in us and through us through these times. And God, today we thank you. That as we gather today, just as Lauren prayed before, that we leave here transformed, Lord, today by the power of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, this morning, as I said, I'm just going to talk a little bit about worship, and I'm going to get to, to the power of a song. But I want to start with this verse that says, Psalm 138, verse 1. It says, I, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. And I think it begs a couple of questions, this, this verse. It says, I'll give you thanks with all my heart. We have to ask ourselves in these days, you know, what are we giving all our hearts to? And, and what are the gods, for example, that the psalmist might be referring to? And I'm going to talk about singing, you know, shortly. I want to talk about the song um, but we do have to ask ourselves in these days what gods might be at work in our lives. It's kind of a, an unusual language. Back in those days when, when, when this psalm was written, and, um, and they never would have thought that we'd be here again two and a half thousand years later, potentially, you know, referring back on what was written then. But when it was written, the gods, people would make gods. 
you know, they might make little gods that they carried around with them, or there'd be statues, or large statues. And so it was kind of very clear about what he might have been talking about at that time. Um, but these days, we, we have to, they, they, our gods might be a little bit more subtle. And so we have to think about what it is, what gods might be in our lives, what actually might be getting all of our hearts, and what does it actually mean to sing praises before all other things that are happening in our lives. And really a way of looking at it is, I think, is, you know, what's getting the best of my attention? These days our gods might be a little bit more subtle. For some people, you know, the gods might be the car they drive. It might be the, the house they're building. Um, all our devices, right? You have to ask yourself, what's getting the best of your attention? And so I, I kind of observe this and I go, gee, you know, like a, I was on the train the other day and I'm, and, and I'm just going, yeah, it was, the leaves are starting to turn. And so it's actually a beautiful ride on the train, you know, and I'm going... But everybody's stuck looking at their phones. It's gone very quiet in here. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? You know, we're drawn into these little things, you know, and, and actually that because if that's what's getting the best of our attention, you talk to some people about saying, hey, why don't you put your phone away for the day? Well, that would just be incomprehensible, right, to some people. Is that right? Yes, it's very quiet. Are you all with me? Okay, all right. Okay. Um, and so the other gods might be aware. Other gods in our lives actually might be fear. Fear might be something that gets the best of our attention. You know, because we're afraid of something. And so we are, we are, we're, we're focusing on that thing. It's getting the best of our attention. And the world we live in is not the world that necessarily that, that inspired the, the prophets or the writers. Um, but I reckon one of the, world, the things about our world today is that actually it's, we, comfort might be a god for us. You know, we're looking for a comfortable kind of life. We're looking for something that, um, that just sort of makes our life better and comfortable. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do we need to do in our lives to connect with the kind of raw nature of God? Um, I'm just talking to Jackie before the service. She says, I was thinking of you driving down this morning because the wind was blowing. And I said, actually, I stopped for a moment outside Trelgan, um just to eat a bit of a sandwich. And, and, and I wound on the windows and the wind was blowing. And I just thought, oh, man, this is great. The wind was howling through the, and I just go, man, this is great because I feel like I'm hearing God in the wind. I'm not being all weird. I'm just saying that, you know, there's just something alive about that thing. So rather than close the windows against the wind, open the windows to the wind, right? The sense of actually connecting with God. Because when we talk about worshiping Him, when we talk about, you know, being in awe of Him, we talk about God as awesome. But the trouble is we say, gee, the hamburger I just ate was awesome, right? And then we go, well, God's awesome. And I go, hang on a sec. <laughs> you know, what's really, truly awesome? I said to my wife, Karen, the other day, I said, babe, I, I can't call you awesome anymore. Yeah. I just have to say, you're nearly awesome. So I started saying, you're nearly awesome. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, we have this language thing, you know. We, and so what I realized, I mean, last time I said, I don't know if I've got this photos of the, um, yeah, Last time I was here, I don't know if you remember last time, I was talking about the stars, you know, and, and the incredible nature of, of, of what's out there. The fact that, you know, because in, in Abraham's time, they reckon that maybe they might have counted 5,000 stars in the sky. Whereas now we know that in our own galaxy, there's maybe between 100 and 400 billion stars. And so there's a sense of awe that we've got to find. And so the reason we can say God's awesome is because we, we have a sense of awe. The reason we can say he's wonderful is because we become wonder-filled at the wind or we're wonder-filled at the fact that, that not only is there between one and 400 billion stars in our galaxy, there's something like maybe 125 billion galaxies. 
And so we just stand and wonder. And the reason we can say we're mar- he's marvelous is because we're marvel-filled. I just go, it's just a marvel that, that what I'm looking at in the night sky, or, or it's a marvel that, I, you know, that we just had a whole bunch of parrots come in eating all our neighbor's figs you know, just a couple of months ago. And they're incredible colors. And I just go, it's marvelous. I say, God, you're marvelous because I'm marvel-filled. I'm marvel-filled at what I see around me. And we live these lives that kind of shrink away from that. And you know, some of us would rather be filled with marvel-filled from Disney. Right? We go, I'd rather watch the gods that have been, you know, the gods from other galaxies. And we go, gee, that was an awesome movie instead of actually standing outside on, you know, on the cold grass with your bare feet. I used to tell my kids all the time that when they came home with their shoes, I said, go and take your shoes and socks off and stand on the grass. You know, get reconnected really with, with what life is actually all about. And so we, we have a sense of, of, of worshiping, you know, the, this, you know, we know we're marvel filled, we're wonder filled, we're awe filled. And therefore, we can use that language because something in us has been transformed by connecting with who God really is. And so the gods of old were created to be feared in many ways. You know, they say, well, if you don't get your life right with the God, you know, you, the, the wrath is going to come upon you. Whereas actually our response is this morning, you know, we sang about it in song this morning, you know, that, that we, our, our worship revolves around the fact that we love God and we love Him because we love Him. And so the worship... Actually, you know, is overcoming the God might be part of the reason why I give to so that I don't make money a God in my life. That actually I've got to stretch myself sometimes. Hey, I've got to, I've got to give. Every time we go into, um, uh, you know, into the, into the city, I go, where's, where's the honest person who can do something? Actually challenged by by me as part of all that as well. Because that's all part of our worship. What does it mean to sing before the gods? I will give thanks to you with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. What's in the power of a song? And I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about this power song. Because I've been observing, um, you know, for a while, involved in worship and, and in music, um, really for over 35 years now. And, and, I've, and I think that people are less than they used to sing. I think there's a whole bunch of reasons this morning singing to be people of the song you know we are people of the song and so in Zephyr verse 17 we read he will take great delight in you so already there's this challenge it's not about a God who is going to keep an eye on you who's got a watchful eye on you who's checking that you're not doing everything right he's just a God who delights in us so already it was challenging the gods of the day. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice singing. So he's not a God of wrath, but actually he's a God who sings over us. Can you imagine that really? Isn't it an amazing thing that God sings over us? If, you, if you're a parent and you've had a young child, you've got a young child, it's not uncommon to sing your child or to sing your child to sleep. I don't know. Does anyone do that? Okay, right. We, we sing over our children. Good morning, Ben. Over our children. You know, and so the same way that God sings over us, it's an incredible thing. He's not a God of wrath. He loves us and sings over us. Why would he choose a song? Why would he language like this if it's not so significant? What's in the power of a song? 
So the significant thing, part of a song is at work, is that we're not just coming to, to sing something, but we actually often sing over things. We sing over our own lives. We sing over the atmosphere of a place. We sing over our emotions. We sing over the unknown. Who knows where our song goes to? I always sort of have this imagined thing that when we to sing, that actually our song goes way further than the roof. It goes somewhere into the that was further than we can imagine. It actually does something that we really don't realize in the same way that our, our prayers do. A number of years ago, I came across this saying that was in Latin, the canta para el Dios. It's translated, sing for the God. One of my brothers had it on a t-shirt, you know, sing for the God. And I love this idea that, that we sing for God, for him, to him. We sing because of him. There's a whole bunch of reasons we sing. In Psalm 68, verse 4, says, sing to God, sing Jesus to his name, lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts. I always go, well, where's God going? Where's he going? I just had this picture of him sort of on a, on a horse riding off with his wind in this. Where's he going? Because in a sense, he's a bit of a wild God, right? And I think there's a thing about this morning, you know, when I guess I went down my windows and I just go, yeah, God, you're a bit wild. You know, there are no straight lines in all creation. Lauren, if you really want to mess up the seats, right, let's get rid of the straight lines. Because there are no, even light travels in a curve. Every now and then someone will come and challenge me. Well, what about crystals? I'm going, well, crystals, yeah, okay, you can get a straight line out of a crystal, I suppose. But the thing is, there are very few lines. All those sorts of things. But, you know, sometimes we've got to wake ourselves up to, to the fact that actually God's a little bit wild. When I go cast a song, you know, throw, lift up a song to him, I go, well, where's God going? And the words lift up a song actually literally mean cast up a highway. Cast up a highway. In other words, it's kind of throwing up a road. A song for our own lives. Out a song, you know, Isaiah talks about making a roadway in the woods and a river. In the and there's a sense that when we sing a song, that's we put out a song for us. We, you know, it goes out of us. And what I love is a judge for the woods is God. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity, and only the rebellious dwell on a parched land. In worship, something about this heart of God, the nature of God that comes quickly after singing a song. You know, a father of the fatherless, a judge for the widows. Doing singing over loves. Up a highway and we go for us. And as I said yesterday, you know, we were in the city doing this this gig and I and um you know and we we'd, we'd done our sound check and we we're just walking through the city and um and, and, I, and I saw this homeless guy, and I just go, well, you know, I asked him if he wanted something to eat. And um, so I went and got a, went somewhere. For me up the road, I said, oh, no, sorry. I'd been distracted because I'm looking for the things that are important to God. Right? Looking for the things that are important to God. So I said, oh, no, guys, I'll, 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 I'll find you. You know, don't worry about it. And so I realized I'd actually peeled off without even stopping to let them know it's, you know, and so there's this thing, you know, we cast up a highway, and it may not be a little song, but we're just going, you know, God, I'm looking for the things that are important to you. 
judge for the widows. The two are often connected, the side of lifting up a song. And so the thing is, we get a song in our hearts. We lift up a song with the thing, the things that are important to him wherever we go. And, and, and in doing that, what we're doing is, is, is we're, we're kind of being like Paul reflects in Romans 12 when he says, next slide, take your everyday life, you're sleeping, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Uh, the more traditional translations say, this is your spiritual service of worship. You know, so that we're not caught up by the things of the world. We don't place our things in the world, but actually we're connected to Him. And so our worship not only casts up a song, not only casts up a highway, but it actually it enlightens for us the things that are important to Him. And so our whole lives reflect the worship of God. Singing over us, God's singing over us, and our sing, we're singing for something else. Canta para el Dios. Sing for the God. And so our everyday lives reflect this idea that we carry God's song, that we're singing our way before us. And I'm not saying this just because I'm a musician. The thing is, you know, Jesus quoted the Psalm in the Old Testament book. And the Psalms, I just find the Psalms great because you kind of wrestle, they're wrestling through. Just like a hu- every human being, they're just going, God, I don't, I'm trying to make sense of my life before you and I'm trying to make sense of the life around me. It is part of that, God, I'm lifting up a song. So our everyday lives, Psalm 5. In the morning, my voice. Sometimes I go, in the morning, Lord, you're going to hear my voice, whether you like it or not. You're going to hear my voice, whether my voice is any good. or Because I'm going to order my prayer to you. And the, and the word for prayer there is sacrifice. I'm ordering my worship to you. And I'm going to eagerly watch and see what comes in the morning. Start the morning with a song. I know our voices are no good in the morning, but I'm intuitive what we're doing here. Gathering on a Sunday morning, right? Ones who lift up the God by doing that. So in the morning, God, you hear my voice and you go, whether I feel like singing or not, I'm just going to lift up my voice. Try it one day. As you get out of bed, just say, oh, God. Just two words. Just something. Just lift your voice to him. Psalms 57 and Psalms 108 both contain this line. It says, awake harp and lyre will awaken the dawn. And so what the psalmist is saying here is before I turn on my phone, before I turn on the news, Anybody else, I'm coming to you. You're my life source, not Facebook, not Instagram, not the gods of this world, but you, God. I sing for the God, not for the small gods. There's lots of encouragement in Scripture to sing. We know that. The, sing, the word song, sing or song appears well over 100 times in the Old Testament and several times in the New Testament. We've got all these examples here. Psalm 138, as I said before, I'll sing praises to you before the gods. With my song, I shall thank him. Sing to him a new song. 
Psalm 40, you put a new song on my mouth. You want to know the U2 song? So I waited patiently for the Lord. He finally heard my cry. Lifted me up out of the pits, out over my clay. I will sing, sing a new song. And there's Bono, great worship leader of the world. <laughs> people walk out of the auditorium. 100,000 people walk out of an auditorium singing Psalm 40. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, Psalm 104 verse 33 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. As long as I've got my being, I'm going to sing praises to God. There's something powerful in a song. You know, powerful in a song. You know, we often start with a song. We started with a song this morning. And it does something significant to unite us when we sing together. You know, we're united. We kind of breathe together a little bit more cautiously in these post-COVID times. You know? But we do. We breathe together. You know, and we all kind of, we're united on it. But it's not just in church. You know, it's the anthems. Right? We sing an anthem. Declare something. I'm a Kiwi. You know, we, we, love, we love our national anthem. You know, we sing it in the Maori language, and then, you know, and, and we, we, we love it. You know, it kind of does something for us. We gather. The football teams, when they win, you know, they get back in the, into their thing and kind of sing. <laughs> but they sing, they get in there and do it, right? You know, if I was, if I was a football coach, if, if we lost the game, I'd say, guys, we're still singing our anthem. Because that's who we are. And so we're God people, and we sing what is, in a sense, the anthems of God. There's something about the combination of music and lyric, and then when you put unity with it as well, that's really immeasurable in our lives, because it stands for something. The song stands for something. The song stands against something, you know, which is why we see so many songs of protest. You know, while Bob Dylan and, and these kind of guys of the 60s and 70s, you know, wrote protest songs, and they made a difference because they stand for something, you know. So there's songs about justice and that sort of stuff. But it's incredibly powerful. There's a part of the Caribbean movie where the beginning of the movie, and, and, and I can't remember the storyline, but I just, it just sticks in my head where, where, where the, the kind of authorities have got all these kind of peasant people lined up and they're hanging them. Is anyone familiar with the movie, you know? Anyway, and anyway, all these, these people are getting hung and, and one small kid starts singing the song. Start singing a song that all the peasants know. And they all start singing, and it just throws everything into chaos. They go, why are they singing? Why are they singing? That's because they own the song. And there's a remarkable thing that happens, because when you stop and think about it, you go, you know, I want to be with the singers. You actually go, I would rather be one of the ones that's getting hung and singing the song than being the perpetrators of the evil. It's quite a remarkable little thing, actually. It's incredible. You know, the same thing at the beginning of the Hobbit movie, and they're all gathered, and they're talking about going on this big adventure the next day, and, and they start singing, you know? And all of a sudden, you've got this kind of, oh, it evokes something really deep. Anyone identify? Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, this whole idea that when you start singing a song about something, and all of a sudden, it evokes something more that you can put in, than you can put into words. Because what they're doing about is, they, you know, in, in, in the case of the hobbits, for example, they're singing about the unknown. You know, perhaps they're singing against the gods of fear, of the things that await them. They're singing about their purpose. They're singing about what they'll accomplish, which is exactly all the things that we sing about. You know, so we should sing it with courage. We should sing our songs with, with boldness. And so when we read in, in Mark chapter 14, 26, that, after sharing a meal together, Jesus and the disciples sang a song. 
Jesus is just about to go and get crucified. And whatever the song was about, I can tell you, I bet he felt more courageous having sung the song. Why would you sing a song? The, 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 the Old Testament, when they went out to battle, you know, the musicians and the singers all went out first. They're on the front line. They went out and sung the song before, before the army. And so you feel like when Jesus was going to the darkest moment of his life, he goes, we're going to sing a song, guys. Incredible. It's incredible. It's just like one little line, you know, but all of a sudden you go, wow, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's not just some flippant thing. We just go, oh, let's sing a song. We're feeling lovely about this, you know. Sing a song even in the darkest moment. And so wherever we travel, you know, we're part of, of the songs of God. You know, this morning, whatever time it is now, 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's now 1 o'clock in New Zealand, you know. So people have already sung the song in a sense in New Zealand right now. And the song of God travels around the globe. On a Sunday, you know, we're part of this whole kind of wave of song going around the globe. And not only that, wherever we go in the world, you know, we join, if you've had the privilege of going to another country somewhere and people are singing the songs of God. You know, I've been privileged to go to a number of places, but I remember going to India a few years ago and, and uh, we're up in the north of India in a, in a city called Chandigarh and we went to this orphanage and they said, hey, can we sing a song together? You know, I get my guitar out and, and you know, we sang Jesus Loves Me and I go, wow, you know, I'm here with a bunch of orphans in India and we're singing the God song. Jesus loves me, this I know, you know, incredible. And then we went out to the border of, of um, a place called Amritsar, which is out near the border of Pakistan, up in the northwest of, of India where per- Christians are really persecuted. And, you know, and I remember getting into my hotel that night and I just, I got my guitar and I thought, God, I just need to sing your songs. I need to sing for the God in the city. And I sat there for about half an hour. I can't say that I've ever done this before or since in my life, but I just I felt burdened to sing the song of God in a place that needed it. And I just sat there with tears in my eyes going, God, your song needs to be sung here. And the next day we did this whole day with some pastors and some singers and some worship teams and that sort of stuff. And about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, this, the, the, the pastor's daughter comes home from school. And she comes in and he goes, oh, she says, can we sing a song together? It's the first thing she wanted to do. I said, sure, what do you want to sing? She goes, oh, can we sing Shout to the Lord? And I went, wow, here I am, up near the border of India and Pakistan, and this, this young school kid just wants to sing Shout to the Lord. Amazing, you know? And then about a week later, I was down on the southeast coast of India, and we're at this, what we, this guy, I know, is making literacy centers, you know, where about 80% of them are turning into churches because he's using Proverbs and the Gospels to teach them the language. It's a fantastic, he's incredible, this guy, right? Anyway, we're sitting in one of these literacy centers, and it's just a burnt-out building. There's no windows, and we're just sitting waiting for someone to come. And he goes, oh, brother, you want to sing a couple of songs? I said, sure. He went back to the van, he got my guitar, and, and I sat there. I've done some, some, some really great gigs in my lifetime. I've been really privileged, you know. I remember a gig once when I was, I was sitting in the Sydney Opera House, playing the piano for someone, and, and I was looking out over the harbor. I'm going, man, this is pretty good. Sitting there playing the piano with a view of Sydney Harbor. Well, I was sitting in that place in India going, man, this is about as good as it gets. Sitting the God, singing the God song with these people in a village in India. I want to be with the singers. I love hearing my kids sing. I don't know about you know, parents. I mean, my kids are older now, but I love hearing my kids sing. And the thing I love about hearing them sing is because it's not so much that they're singing, but I just go, the other stuff's not getting to them. The other stuff's not getting to them. And so when we sing, that's what God goes. He goes, you know what? I know things aren't perfect. I know things aren't right, but the other stuff's not ruling in your life. You're still singing the song of God in the midst of it all.
Because a song works against decay, it works against pessimism, it works against defeat. A song can bring healing and it can bring life. There are stories of people who have who've sort of come back to life because music was played in their lives. A few months ago, I was, um, I was up in Malden, which is up in the northwest-ish of the state, and um, at a small town there, and the guy says, oh, can you come and you can talk about, talk about a bunch of stuff anyway. And he says, and by the way, you know, we, we sing that song of yours, um, My Secret Place. I said, oh, okay, yeah. He goes, do you think you could do that when you come? I'm going, oh, okay, you know, uh, you know, because I wrote the song 28 years ago, right? I'm going, and, and, and every time I sing the song, I go, gee, I could have I written that song better. Every time I do, I go, I could have written that song better. And then every time I sing it, I go, I don't think I sing this song very well. <laughs> I always think someone else could sing the song better. Anyway, so I go out there, sing the song, you know. Anyway, this lady comes up to me after the, in, in the congregation. She said, yeah, I need to tell you something about that song. She said, it saved my life. She said, a number of years ago, I was, I was suicidal. And, and she said, I had this old $100 piano, and she said, I just sat at, that, at the piano, and I played that song over and over and over and over and over and over again until I was transformed. And I thought, wow, what a subject. I just had tears in my eyes. I'm not saying that's the only answer to that situation, by the way. Please hear me clearly. But in her world, that's what did it. And, and I just said, God, man, I was just so flippant about that song. <laughs> I was really flippant about doing the song, and here, here she's telling me the story about how it changed her life. And so songs can change us, even if our circumstances don't change. As I said, I, I, might, I might have said it last time I was here, I grew up in a musical family. Um, I was raised on a diet of Bach and Beethoven and Mozart. I still listen to, I was listening to Bach on the way down this morning, you know, I'm a, still a, a classical music fan, you know, and, um, you know, and so... You know, I was raised on that, you know, and then when I was, by the time I was about 15, I started playing professionally and I was playing in piano bars and restaurants and bands and all that sort of stuff. So I was playing rock music and jazz sort of stuff. And by the time I was 21, um, I, I was playing five nights a week in a piano bar in Wellington. And um, a beautiful restaurant, you know, fantastic. And anyway, I, I uh, about a few months, and I came to Christ during that time. So my life was completely transformed. Cutting a long story short, a few months later, I, I ended up going back to live in a small town where my mum was living because my dad was leaving, you know, mum and dad split up, and so dad was leaving town. No other siblings in that town, so I actually just went back there. I thought, well, I need to stay for a couple of months somewhere to, to just while mum gets settled. And, um, and so a friend of mine's father ran a construction company. He said, oh, well, look, we, we've got a gang of painters. You want to join them? I said, I don't care what I do. I just want to be here for a couple of months, you know. Um, anyway, so I was there. Anyway, I ended up staying for 18 months. God stripped the world's song out of me, is the only way I can say it at that time, you know, because I lived for music. And so I just had a whole transformative time. At the time, I started, so I joined a local church there. It was just this kind of contemporary church. And, um, and, and so I went into this church. The first time I went into this church, I heard music like I'd never heard it before. It was terrible. You know, I've grown up on all this other stuff, you know. I love really great music. And I walk into this church and I'm going, what are these songs? There's like one verse and one chorus and then you sing it like four times. This is sort of back in the 80s, you know, the scripture and song stuff. And, you know, and, and I thought, man, this, this is terrible. And who's that guy up there smiling away, singing, you know? And um, anyway, so one day I had this job and I was, I, they asked me to water blast out a meat freezer. And, and I'm water blasting, and I'm in this meat freezer, and it's, I'm freezing cold. I'm covered in animal fat because I've been blasting this stuff. I can't see a thing because I wear glasses, and I'm just going, what the heck am I doing here, God? 
And all I could think about was this beautiful piano bar where I used to be playing and I was eating five beautiful Italian meals every week. And I'm going, what am I doing here? And I started singing some of those terrible songs. And everything changed. And I could have stayed there all day. Because even though my circumstance didn't change, my heart changed. And it was the power of the song. It was just me starting to sing. You know, not all the songs were bad, by the way. I'm being a little bit, bit over, overstating that, you know. Something beautiful, something good. You know, and I just started singing something. And honestly, I just sang, I just go, and it didn't matter whether I liked the song or not. So it doesn't matter whether you liked the song or not. Sing the song. Sing for God. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, you know, they're singing in the jail. They're in the jail, they're in jail right? And they just start singing. Because they go, we're not going to let the jail get to us. We're still going to sing the God song. And we know the story, there's an earthquake and all that sort of stuff. But the point of the song, story really, is that actually they didn't know that the, the, the earthquake was going to come. They were just singing the song. They go, we're not going to be beaten by our circumstances. And, and because what they realize is it says in Psalm 147 verse 2, it says, bring my soul out of prison so that I may praise you. And so too many of us, we live with our souls in prison. But a song will release our souls. A song will open us up to a whole different bunch of way of thinking, a whole new thing. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 20, I've got no idea we're up to there. Okay, great. Okay. When you gather for worship, it says, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, read a prayer. This idea of, you know, we don't come just to sing a song. We come to bring a song. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, right? There's a sense of when we come, we come. You know what? I'm coming this morning to bring a song. Not just waiting to be led, but I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my song to God. I'm going to bring it. In Luke chapter 19, we read about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey and it says that everyone was singing his praises, singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know. And the authorities said, tell them to be quiet, will you? And he goes, there's no point. There's no point in telling them to be quiet because if they're quiet, the rocks and stones are going to cry out. And so I just go, you know what? I want to be with the singers. I don't want rocks and stones to beat me. You know, that God will raise a song from anywhere. Well, I say, God, raise the song out of my heart. Raise the song out of my heart. And when we sing together, we accomplish something. We, you know, we do all these things that, that can't happen. You know, we align our hearts to our purpose together. And maybe you think you're not a great singer. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He just goes, man, you, you know, you're singing. You, 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 you're beating the other things in life. And maybe you're at a stage in life when you just can't sing. I get that. Scripture says, you know, we don't sing songs to a troubled heart. This is not about being flippant about going, hey, let's just be joyous and happy. I'm not talking about that. Maybe you're at a stage where you just go, I just can't sing, God. There's just so much weight in my life. But that's why we come together. Because maybe you sit next to someone who is singing the song for you. Maybe someone standing next to you singing the song goes, you know, I, I'm being carried by the fact that someone else is singing the song. Lift up a song, cast up a highway, make a way where there is no way. There's power in the song. I want to be found with the singers. Cantapara, el Dios. Sing for the God. 
Maya Angelou, who's a, um, uh, a, a well, she's a black American, and, and I, think, I can't remember whether it was her parents or her grandparents were, were slaves. And she wrote a book called I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And she quotes, I don't know whether she wrote this or whether she quotes someone else, I just can't remember. She says, the songbird doesn't sing because it has the answers. The songbird sings because it has a song. The songbird sings because it has a song. We, we have a song. We're given a song. Maybe you mumble the song. Maybe you, you love singing out loud. But let me just encourage you today to sing. Sing on your own. Sing in the shower. Sing in the car. Sing wherever you are. Just lift your voice. Do something because it breaks something. It opens something up. And, and we bring the song of God into wherever we go, whatever we do. Amen? Amen. We just pray and, uh, and then we'll just do a, a song or two together. Thank you, God, today. We thank you, God. You put a song in our hearts. God, help us to locate that. Help us to locate the song, God, and to sing it and to bring it. Let us be encouraged by those around us who sing. Let us be carried by those who sing if we need to. But, Lord, let us also be those who bring your song, whether it's a literal or whether it's just helping the people around us, God, today. We thank you, God, today that, that you help us to bring the song, to be the song. And, God, today, just as we lift our voices this morning, just to finish up, Lord, we just pray that we, that's a song that we carry into our day. In the morning, O oh Lord, you'll hear our voices, Lord. And we're the ones who say, awake, harp, and lie. We're going to wake in the dawn. We're going we're gonna to get to the day before it gets to us. In Jesus' name, amen.